All right, well, let me just roll the intro okay. graphic right. and run into this stuff. So, hey, everyone, and happy Friday, Friday, and I am joined by the one and only Paul Puey for the Digital Cash Rundown. How's it going, Paul? You found, find the channel yet? Uh, haven't yet. I was just checking out YouTube. I'm about to type it in. Digital Cash so, Rundown if, for everyone if you're gonna else. Share, if you're going to share it on Twitter, um, mm -hmm. there's a tweet on at Digital Cash Net. The most recent tweet has a link to this this video, so you can do that. Got it, got it. That's okay. probably the, the easiest perfect, way to perfect. do it. And you're right, but, it's buttery smooth on, on YouTube. Yeah. I, on you know, I don't, and uh, nice animated background, by the way. People can't see from this frame, but I'm seeing on the screen over there, people walking by, you know, on your... You like my animated, your, you like my animated yeah. background? <laughs> it's funny because animated. so many people, uh, my favorite so far has been like Ruben Yap of Furo because he has like one of those like fake backgrounds that makes him look like he's in an office or something but it's it's a really hmm. like the background looks good but you can see like the warping around his head and stuff when he moves because it's like a fake background he says his room's messy uh, how's so, the warping around my head <laughs> it's pretty good i wonder whatever technology that is you well know, it's called uh quality, yeah quality quality green screen all that kind of stuff um um it's uh it's, it's, it's called the IRL technology, real life. It's actually really a real park behind me. Yeah, real. Well, is anything real? Are birds even real? I don't know about that. Uh, but well, anyway, real. let's talk, talk, start with something real. So, oh, by the way, everyone, um, cointr.ee slash the desert links, live super chat. You want to ask Paul, he's going to be paywalled today. I'm sorry, I have to do this. Um, and then like, comment, share, subscribe. All the above, join the live, the regular live chat and say things. And if they're interesting enough, I might even acknowledge them for free. But if they're only mostly interesting, that's what, you know, you got to pay the tax. Sorry. So first thing, Ukraine bans Bitcoin purchases with local currency amid martial law. Ukrainians are now allowed to buy Bitcoin only with foreign currency with a monthly cap of $3,300. Um, hot take. Yeah. Um, as we were mentioning kind of pre-show, it's so unfortunate. Like the, the Ukrainian people are already under so much strife and, and stress and life sucks right about now. Where you know? you're putting more crap on them. What's that? Say again. Life sucks for them right about now, huh? Yeah, life sucks. And the last thing I would have expected is for life to suck because of mandates from their own country. Like they already know these people are struggling um, on multiple fronts. And now you're putting another restriction on their life, another, once again, cause for life sucks. Um, it's one of the last things I would have expected, uh, especially because a lot of money has gone into the Ukraine through Bitcoin mm -hmm. um, and crypto. I assume that that this means not just Bitcoin, but potentially other cryptocurrencies. If it was literally only Bitcoin, well, then people would go and grab some other cryptocurrency because many people yeah. solve some of the similar issues of being able to get your money out of the country. So. Um, my initial reaction, that was my knee jerk reaction was, but yes, boom, life sucks for these guys. Why is it coming from their own country? Um, when they are, when the government already knows that these people are going through hard times. Uh, although in retrospect, I asked myself, well, gosh, Bitcoin is already being used to transmit value into the Ukraine as we've seen uh, millions of dollars in donations 
but I like to always, you know, be a bit of a devil's advocate to that. How much money is that that's flowed into the Ukraine? It might seem like a lot to us in the Bitcoin world. It makes for great headlines. You see, you know, X number of dollars, X millions of dollars by this entity and that entity through this program that's donated into the to Ukraine through Bitcoin. But then those numbers might be minuscule relative to a sovereign nation, right? And with in fact, a sovereign are. nation, they're talking about hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars that could be exiting the country. Mm-hmm. So this the donations coming in could be a drop in the bucket relative to the money that's effectively flowing out, like the value that's flowing out and also and potentially causing a, a currency crisis. Now, granted, if the Ukraine was just simply a more forthcoming to the fact that Bitcoin and other cryptos could be a way to prevent currency crisis by simply stabilizing the money, backing it mm-hmm. in Bitcoin, having it in the treasury, having it in their reserve, that could retain the value. Because right now the value is just pure supply and demand, but the demand would be much higher if there was a known backing of a certain amount of Bitcoin. So um, overall, it's just, it's terrible news for the people of Ukraine. I have Ukrainian friends myself that, um, you know, I have to sympathize with, Um, but it's, it's both a surprising, but B makes you look back and, and think more about like, Hey, have we, have we been helping the Ukraine enough through Bitcoin and how much has that help been to the country versus the people. And you kind of have to almost have to separate that. You know, the, the government is a small amount of the people and they're trying to do what they think is in the best interest of the people as a whole. And obviously a currency crisis for the people that are staying versus the people that are leaving would be pretty bad. And people yeah. are simply exiting the money, getting their funds out, selling uh, Ukrainian funds, which gosh, I feel bad not knowing what exactly the currency of the Ukraine is. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, well, but I mean... Exiting their... Yeah, the thing is... That it, it's it's an interesting situation. The thing about I'm not going to attempt to comment overly on geopolitics here because it's no longer my specialty. Uh, but also, you know, but I haven't kept up too much with this current situation. But I'm pretty sure there's some sort of an element like the Ukrainian pe- the the people are always the people who suffer. I feel really bad for the Russians right now, the people of Russia who just didn't right. really do anything wrong. Some of them are thrown into the war. They don't even know what they're doing. Allegedly, some were even um, unaware of th- that they were entering a real war, thought they were just going into training exercises. And like, yeah, I'd heard that like, as well. There's just a bunch of, and just like the amount of Russian people who've been like banned from all kinds of things. And it's just terrible. And same thing with the people of Ukraine. Wow. Now the Ukrainian government, um, I'm not a master of the situation, but there's a possibility they did some things to provoke said conflict, right? To involve in said conflict. Maybe not initially, but the whole regional conflict has been going on for many, many years. And there's accusations on both sides of, you know, everything. And so the donations are obviously coming to help the people ostensibly. Um, of course, the government themselves have been soliciting crypto do- donations and then say, no, 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 you can't buy any more, which is, that's a little, little funky. But it's funny because they, I mean, if they declared cryptocurrencies as legal tender or something like that in their country, I think that they could boost a lot of economic factors in their country, at least give people an outlet. But instead, they're scrambling still to save their dying currency during this time at the expense of their people and it, because they're like well you can still buy some but you got to like limit it by this much because we don't want you to just 
mass exit and crash the currency. We want to be able to still, in again, speculation at this point, inflate the money and take extract more value from our people, you know, in, before the, the jig yeah. is up sort of thing. So that's kind of the way I feel it's going. It's a little sad. I mean, it's entirely true of every single country that has their own currency is it is a money extraction. It's a way to tax in a way. And part of me says, why not just make it crystal clear? Okay. You know, we have like five plus whatever percent inflation. Why don't you just tax people that much more? Right. Mm -hmm. um, and make it crystal clear how much you're taxing people because inflation is not just a form of tax. It's a hidden tax of which you don't actually know the percentage. Like what exactly is the percentage of that tax? It's really hard to quantify. Um, if I had to give inflation one benefit, right? Here's, okay. here's a statement to piss off your listeners. Let's do it. The nice thing about inflation is it taxes the people that have the most amount of savings, the richest people that hold money, that just hold the dollar, like, you know, mm -hmm. or hold whatever government currency. If you are effectively earning and spending, then inflation isn't hitting you as much. Now, where it does hit you is the fact that if your income is denoted in that currency, and by and large, most of the time it is, and the income isn't changing, then you are getting impacted because of a, a stable income, but stable relative to that government currency. Mm -hmm. So it hits you kind of in two ways, both the income that you, you earn being denoted in a more stable fashion, and then also the amount that you save. But if you don't have much saved, meaning mm -hmm. you're pretty much spending what you earn, then that part isn't impacting you nearly as much. Now, granted, people of higher wealth caliber are able to invest more easily than mm -hmm. people that don't have the wealth, right? If you're if you live in paycheck to paycheck, good luck investing anything. And then, of course, you add government regulations to investment limitations, such as um, needing to be uh, an accredited investor to be able to invest in startups and and smaller companies. Then you've really isolated a lot of the wealth and opportunity to the wealthiest people in the country. So getting back to inflation, yeah, it kind of hurts people who will just hold on to a large sum of money. Um, and it, in some ways, those are some of the, the wealthiest entities. And that's why you see these huge companies now trying to buy Bitcoin, mm -hmm. because they're the ones hugely impacted by inflation. You're sitting on a few hundred billion dollars worth of cash. That's just mm -hmm. eroding away, like yeah. massively eroding away. Um, uh, although at the same time, you've got so much of it. So if, if you lose... 10% of it in a year, it's not like you're going to be suffering. So it hits you the most, but but it doesn't economically impact your life or your, the status of your entity, whether it be a person or a company, it doesn't imp impact you as much because you have all that to spare to begin with. Um, yeah. So, it, uh, yeah. It's interesting though, because um, in terms of paying for things, because that's a thing that like the more you learn about the life and economics and stuff, is there's no such thing as a free lunch, which, you know, everyone says that, but no one really believes it until they realize that like, oh, free healthcare is not that free. Free this is not that free. Someone pays for everything somewhere. And inflation yeah. is one way that everyone pays for things. And the thing is, it's, I guess it's easier to collect inflation because you don't have to actually interact with the end, end person. Yep. But you it know. does have this, anytime you have a more opaque way of collecting money from people, that always disadvantages the, I would say the, the poorer, but more specifically the intellectually poorer who can't, who don't know the ways of getting out. around that. Yeah. yeah. So like last week I had um, Lorenzo on podcast who is from uh, Venezuela 
And he remembers in like 2007, starting around there, when inflation started to get pretty bad, a lot of smarter people started to take out a lot of loans, like long-term loans, because they knew that by the time they had to pay it off, it just wouldn't be worth anything. And there's a lot of people doing that kind of thing today, like in the U.S. And when I saw like 8% inflation, or you know, (laughs) probably a lot more than that, but they say 8 or so percent, you do like a $300,000 mortgage, in over 30 years, how much you're really going to owe. It's like, not not a lot. You're getting a pretty not, good discount. So yep. people who can play those games, who can just know how to manage wealth, who manage like debt and calculate the you know the interest rate versus the inflation rate over a long period of time and the opportunity cost of this and that. People who, who don't just like yeah. run up credit cards and get screwed, like who know how to use tools such as debt are going to be fine with inflation. They're just going to find ways of like only having on hand what they need to pay their bills and then put then they know about all these other assets that are more resistant to inflation whereas the average person just like I'm going to go get, you know, sock away under my mattress and then it doesn't work out that well. Yeah, sticking something under a mattress uh only just erodes it for sure. And then I've at one point in time when I first got into crypto, I was really against that. You know, I cleared mm-hmm. out, even before I got into crypto, I cleared out all my credit cards. I just didn't want that. I'd always heard bad things. And it's like, but then you realize it is somewhat of a tool. And if you can, it's just a, ma- a matter of managing numbers in what you can earn from money versus what it costs you to get the money. And really it's a balance of those two things. If you mm-hmm. know you can earn more on that, on that money than it costs for you to borrow it, more power to you. Like if you figure yeah. that out that equation, that's all that really matters. Um, but there's always a cost to it. There's always a cost to um, hold to spend to invest to earn and balancing those numbers is the key thing and realizing that the hidden number that there's a hidden number there that that's kind of the key thing that many people that are not in crypto don't realize that hidden number of inflation once you add that in suddenly debt becomes very interesting mm-hmm. um, and when inflation goes up debt becomes very very interesting because usually the interest rates um, don't necessarily follow with the inflation rates yeah. So inflation goes up and up and up. It's inflation skyrocketing interest rate wise as the interest rates to borrow money are actually staying pretty darn low. And with that, now it's I'm like, sure, I'll take debt because it's practically free debt. Mm-hmm. Practically free debt. It's negative point. interest rates so to a certain extent. Is, it's, yeah, it's, it's almost like a negative interest rate debt. And so we're, we've talked about interest, uh, inflation, whether you believe these numbers or not, because I think obviously inflation numbers coming out of the government are always going to be skewed towards being on the low side. Uh, they talk 7-8% uh, inflation rate, even though we've seen gas prices skyrocket way more than 7-8%. And you're borrowing money um, at potentially you know, 5, 6, 7, or even 8%, then you're, it's basically borrowing for free. Yeah. And if you can borrow money for free and put it in anything that bears even 1% interest or yield, I'll, I'll call it yield, then you're making money off nothing. Yeah. All right. It's well, that, free. It's it's free money or free value. I'm gonna call it money now because it's free value that you're you're, you're making. Yeah. So say it in the chat. That's Williams a, a piece people. Free value. Free value because money. <laughs> to, you know, people call the dollar money. So I'm not interested in earning more dollars. I'm interested in earning more value. Yeah. All right. And you know, as I think I've mentioned this in multiple podcasts, if not your own, like I'll I'll hap I'll happily measure my value in eggs before the dollar. Yeah. Like, that's, it's one of my favorite foods. I can eat a dozen of those in a day. <laughs> so how many great, good quality eggs can I buy at, per whatever unit? I'd rather use eggs as a unit of, of account, in all honesty. So um, so what, that's, to that thing, that's really do you know off the top of your head, do you know off the top of your head, 
of how much you own in eggs or how much or let's just say how much like a salary is in eggs or how much a house is like all those kinds of things have you have you done those computations i know i know currently uh, what i haven't done is yes. done that computation over time i need to do that computation mm-hmm. over time i know how much it is right now you know, and i've seen the price of eggs and i've seen it go up a little bit but um admittedly yeah i don't know what that is over time but that would be an interesting graph you know? yeah it's like the quality of eggs it depends on the quality of eggs very heavily and there's more readily available higher quality of eggs you know mm-hmm. happy chickens and whatnot um, than there were before whereas before you would end up getting just the cheapest eggs and suddenly it looked like inflation was huge for eggs but at the mm-hmm. same time you've got to like it, it, it's not as fungible unfortunately that's the challenge with eggs right they're more nfts they're yeah NFTs, they're definitely because uh, we do receive free eggs a lot oh i have too many of them i can't even hear you go it's like but no one's going to yeah. give you free money no one re- serious you know unless you invest in hex or something like that but there's no free lunch that those free eggs cost you something yeah. You don't cost even know you gas. Cost you Which, some friendship or gas to go get it. Yep. Yeah. If they cost, if it's like 35, 40 minutes drive to your buddy for his eggs, you know, yep. There, that's all. That's yeah. actually really expensive eggs these days. Yeah. Uh, let's hit on this one. Exactly. So about, um, which is, I, I, you know, I, it annoys me to talk about price and things like that. Like oh, all time high, whatever. But um, Celsius Network CEO Alex Mashinsky shares insights on Bitcoin oh, Ether market and basically he believes that Bitcoin and Ethereum. So during a, a recent Paris blockchain week summit, when Telegraph's Joe Sol sat down with blah, 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 whatever. According to Mashinsky, Bitcoin received very strong support. But basically he thinks that they're going to both Bitcoin and Ethereum are going to reach new all time highs this year. Now, people like us don't particularly care about that kind of stuff or not that much. But um, I think it's an interesting thing because most crypto people kind of believed in this. Everyone knows there's bull and bear markets, just is. But most crypto people seem to believe in this four-year cycle theory, and it has played out pretty well along, you know, historically. Mm-hmm. My, you know, short-term memory was the big pop of 2013, and then is a big t- yep. pop of 2017, and then there was a kind of like wet fart of a pop this last year. I mean, it was, it was pretty yeah. good, but it was like, and three X, it was a three and a half X pop, which by Bitcoin standards is nothing. You know, you hear about it, Like I don't wake up for less than 10 X. That's a common meme um, yeah. phrase in crypto three and a half X mm, from previous all time highs. Uh, and now we're only at about two X from previous all time highs. So it's uh, definitely a very bizarre cycle. Um, mm-hmm. In the same sense that we haven't hit you all um, huge 10x, like, you know, order of magnitude difference. We also haven't hit an order of magnitude drop. So mm-hmm. some people are speculating that this is what the super cycle looks like. The super cycle, mm-hmm. the um, hyper Bitcoinization cycle, where it just kind of goes up from here, but it just does it in kind of mm-hmm. slower phases. We never make huge crashes. We don't make huge gains anymore. Um, where it becomes kind of a more stable unit of account. And maybe we can use Bitcoin more as a unit of account. Um, has yet to be seen, and I still think it's too small of a market mm-hmm. cap for that. My personal prediction was around the fifth, um, getting to about 10 to 15 trillion in market cap was about my estimate because M1 currency of the dollars at about, oh gosh, maybe 60 to 80 trillion. 15 trillion starts looking pretty darn like a big, big chunk. Of, mm-hmm. of the dollar's market cap. And it's now starting to absorb, It would at that point, it would start to absorb a lot of value. 
um, from the dollar. Before that, it's still it's still kind of a small fish and, yeah. and really volatile and, and, and easy to move. And I would have expected it to move more both on the upside and on the downside. So and admittedly, this cycle does surprise me. I think it surprised a lot of people. Mm. And I remember in 2017, um, when everyone was shocked at 20,000, you know, I was saying like, wow, 3K, I'm happy at that. And that was about, you know, 3X. Yeah, that was a 3X from the previous all-time high in 2013 of 11K. Uh, not 11K, not um, 1.1, $1, $1, $1, $1,100. Um, and when it hit like eight, I remember talking to David Bailey from BTC Inc. And he's like, you know, it always shoots up way higher than people expect. And then it crashes way lower than they expect. And this is the one cycle where it wasn't true. At least yeah. if the cycle doesn't continue. And so Mashinsky is basically saying that he thinks that the cycle, that we're still on the cycle and that we still have upside to hit that, you know, potentially 10x gain. And I think it's it's possible, but, um, you know, as the year goes on, I'm honestly, uh, I'm below, I like to quote things in just below or just above 50%. Uh, confidence level. I can't, I mm -hmm. don't go really much above that. So I'm at like 49% um, mm. on the side that Bitcoin could achieve new all-time highs this year. Um, I feel very strongly that we will in the next halving, you know, I love calling it the happening of, you know, um, the happening fan. So yeah, I know it's spoke, but apparently not the right word, but I don't give a damn. We make up words in this crypto world, made a puddle and all, all this other bullshit. I can make up my and own GMI and but, uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, definitely by the next, mm. the next uh, having, having, whatever you want to call it, we'll hit some new all-time highs. If we don't break 69 um, in this cycle, then those new all-time highs will likely be even less than 3x. So maybe the new all-time high in the next cycle will be just maybe 100k. Right, finally hitting, yeah. Get those laser eyes people finally happy. I blame laser eyes. If I ever say that, I think laser eyes is the fault. Uh, that's the that's reason fair. why we, we never broke 100k. Because in every cycle, you think about this, in every cycle, um, there has not been a massively adopted meme attached to a specific price target. Like no one said like uh, 10K was going to be the, the target, put laser eyes and change your Twitter profile. There was that like, you know, uh, it's above 9,000 yeah. you know, Dragon Ball Z meme. But you didn't see everyone on their Twitter profile changing their profile to Dragon Ball Z with like the 9,000 or was it 8,000? You know, on their chest, there was mm -hmm. such widespread adoption of this, this laser eyes, that who would want to be the guy that bought it one hundred and one thousand? Who wants to yeah. be that person? When everyone's like, "Oh, we're in it until a hundred k." Well, great. That means I'm out at one hundred and one. Mm -hmm. Well, then if you're out at one hundred and one, why not be out at ninety nine? Yeah, right. Get ahead of the well, curve. If you're out at ninety nine, why not be out at ninety five? Mm -hmm. And then, well, you know, sixty nine. If the upside's only 100k, that's only another, you know, 50%. I'm in it for huge gains. 50%. That's not good enough. I'm out at 69. And I think that's a lot of the mentality that probably went through people's head. You know, I, I, I don't. If if everyone's all about the 100k, well, I'll sell just shy of that. And everyone's still thinking the same thing. Yeah, it's very strange to say. Also, to kind of consider the adoption of the currency as the only metric for that is a fiat valuation and you're but not just saying like oh it'll probably this it's like it's like that's all it's going to do it's going to go up in in dollar terms and bitcoin yeah. itself has no that's control over that terms. 
Yeah, it's like it's an yeah. external metric. It's not an internal metric. You can get as many people as you want to buy it. You can get it adopted everywhere. You can get all these people to say it's our reserve currency of whatever. But it it's an external metric to hold that. It has nothing to do with the coin itself, the network itself. And so it's kind of like saying like succeed. Like I'm gonna win. Okay, how? Right, we're just gonna win. Oh, win. But like, what are you gonna do to win? And when you sort of lose focus on that then the wind doesn't quite come and then you're just like well it could be a little bit of that i do yeah. think that there's a lot of hubris in the the maxi community believe it or not um and the thing is i still like i'm ready for it to be the bear market already you know i mean i'd like it not to be but i'm kind of like ready for it but just something seems a little different this time and i can't i, I don't know if it's just if it is the super cycle, if it is just a weird delayed blow top blow off because of a variety of things, it, it's really hard to tell. But the other thing is, uh, as um, uh, about the super cycle, as Naomi's told before, she doesn't really believe we're going to see another big crash anymore. Which I don't, I don't know exactly if I'd go that far. But like, just because of how everything is, like fiat is imploding, kind of globally, <laughs> and so it's. It's kind of like this time is different, but I don't know how different. It is. I, I'm different. personally thinking I got to like get a 50-50, maybe not 49-51 like you like to do, but like a 50-50 if we're going to just see a blow off top like later, like within a month or so. And then it's like, oh, mm -hmm. well, that was not in October like we thought it would be or December or whatever. It was just like a few months late. Or I think that that was like it for the cycle. It's just going to take a while to like slowly peter down but the thing is our math as far as like the charts that look all cool well went up went up and went up again they're all denominated in something that is going down and down and down so what i would like to see yeah. is the actual market caps of crypto in a purchasing power an yeah an x <laughs> <laughs> that's one of our the cafe yeah. con leche index or the the big mac index or whatever yeah, exactly. other ones they use <laughs> i would like to see it in those i have this astronomical growth thing probably is a lot more flat i mean it is still a lot of growth but then eventually yeah. because a bear market as of goes, late especially yeah. a lot flatter as of late because like in order to go actually go down in price bitcoin for example would have to probably crash more than 10 percent a year at this point if it doesn't it's just like you know it would have to crash in more than 10 percent in value every year because that's what the dollar is doing so if it just doesn't right. if it crashes nine percent in value it keeps going up and never goes down again according to dollar terms and so correct, correct. i mean that's the other thing about a super cycle is it's not necessarily like a super cycle it's just like a, a shitty fiat cycle you know it's it's hard to tell although yeah. if fiat continues to do so poorly globally i can't really see crypto not gaining raw value from that Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think it's one of those where people will start to, if not uh, mathematically, mentally price things, mm -hmm. um, not in just the pure dollar value. Sure, we look at the charts because I think traders like to look at the charts, but then mm -hmm. people will start asking themselves, okay, well, I have this much stored value. What can I buy with it? And uh, is that stored value in crypto? So if it's in Bitcoin, whatever cryptocurrency, they ask themselves, hey, what can I buy with that today? What can I buy with that three years from now? Whether its, its dollar value looks relatively flat or not, 
people will start doing that as the dollar value goes down. You'll start less and less. And this is true of pretty much any currency that starts devaluing over time and, and hyperinflating. And not that the dollar is hyperinflating yet, but you really start to look at just the raw purchasing power of what you care about. And because like I say eggs, obviously, you know, well, you might get free eggs from your friends, you wouldn't measure that. Um, but whenever matters to you, whether it's a home of a certain size in a certain region and what those prices are doing, that becomes the key thing people start looking at as the currency becomes less relevant. Um, and so uh, I think we're gonna start seeing people care about denoting a value in a different unit over time, probably over the next 10 years. I'd mentioned that, that 15 trillion number where I think, yeah, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency as a whole, all of its market really start eating into the value of the dollar. I calculated that as being another two more cycles, two more of these happening cycles. Um, and so if it, but it would require 10 Xing, you know, at least 10 X on each halving cycle. But if we're less than that, then it could take a bit longer. Um, and if it does take a bit longer, then we're, we've got to hope that inflation, you know, I say, you know, dollar value, we have to hope inflation isn't dropping so much that the true value of Bitcoin and crypto isn't going down alongside with it. But hopefully we unhinge, we just simply unhinge the two, um, don't track each other as, as closely mm -hmm. as they did, especially with other markets. That's the part that I'm actually mostly uh, waiting for is for Bitcoin and, and crypto to kind of unhinge and stop pegging with the greater market trends. It does it on a yeah. micro level, but on, on a macro level, it seems like it totally trends. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, also, as much as I'd love this to be like, this is the year that the that fiat starts to go away kind of thing. I don't think like this eight ten this 10 plus percent inflation, I don't, I don't think it's going to get too much better, but I think it just in my feel again, I feel free to call me on this in like a year when everything's burning to the ground. But like, I feel like there was unprecedented circumstances regarding certain global events, which should not be named. Unless this be yanked off of YouTube or whatever. And then I think that that made things exponentially worse for a period of time because of like bailouts and other things like that. So I can, I can basically consider inflation going back to, we're not not as low not as you know low as it was before, but like in a in a less extreme version, at least in the U.S. as the last couple of years. Maybe and maybe that's like wishful thing. I don't know if it's it's not wishful thing. It's the opposite. I kind of want it to collapse sooner so we can just get all get on crypto and be done with it. But I do think that it's going to settle down a little bit and take another five ten years to collapse or so. So yeah, I'm a bit torn on that. I I fundamentally think that um, we're not going to be able to successfully stabilize it without also tanking the economy. You're either going to you're either going to tank the currency or tank the economy, because even prior to this global event that shall not be named, governments are already having a lot of trouble increasing interest rates. Like they're already mm -hmm. massively printing. We printed way more than before. Um, but they've never been able to really even bump up interest rates by even small amounts without a huge reaction from the markets. So we were kind of already in trouble in that sense. And with the excess cash flow entering the system, uh, you've just now created a, a much, much larger uh, issue. And if you look at the, the, if you look at history of hyperinflation um, and inflation in general, it has come in kind of a few different stages. Um, in, 
from what was it World War II Germany or World War One Germany? I can't remember exactly which which phase when the Deutschmark hyperinflated. Yeah, right? neither phase. What did was that great. look like? Neither phase was great. I'm trying. I just couldn't recall yeah. exactly the time period. But there, during that hyperinflation, when the original Deutschmark basically died off, and then the new one was created. Um, yeah, the most kind of came in the first, in two the first great war. Yeah, I remember. and so people. Uh, the reason why there was a whole lot of printing, right? Mm -hmm. Printing, fund, fund the wars, whatnot. But a lot of it was hoarded, right? A lot of it was hoarded initially and you didn't feel the effects, right? People felt like they needed a safe, a safe place because they were worried about economic conditions. So people didn't spend, right? They just, okay, or just keep, keep the money in case something's going to happen. I don't know. Save for a rainy day was a lot of the mentality. And so even amidst a lot of the money printing, it didn't really move the market a whole lot. Yeah. However, once people started to feel comfortable, like, oh, we're in okay shoes. Now the money got spent. And that right. created the crash. That's the thing that I, I, I don't know has quite happened yet with all of the money that was printed. It, are, or is there a large demographic of people that received a lot of those funds, whether it be the banks or the actual individuals that received these stipends and, and free checks? Are, is, has a lot of that already been spent out into the economy and is now free so. flowing? Or are there a lot of people, I mean, we it might feel that way because prices have gone up, right? But they've only gone up seven, eight percent versus the amount that was printed. I mean, for Christ, look at the amount that was printed relative to the price increase of goods and yeah. services. I fundamentally think that a lot of it is still hoarded. A lot of it is still being held. There are people that are still concerned. And look at the demographic of people who are just worry warts. Mm -hmm. I think of that as like a demographic type of person that the warrior wars, the people that are still very scared to get outside and walk yeah. around in a park because they might catch the thing that we shall not name. And if mm -hmm. you look at, and, and that's a fair, um, psychographic, like, you know, there's people of different risk tolerances, but that's a fair psychographic. And that same type of psychographic is also the type of person that's not going to go out there and travel and finally go eat lavish dinners. And they're going to, you know, save for a rainy day. That becomes the question. And even if um, like salaries have bumped up, so maybe they're also getting paid more, but they're not necessarily spending it. They're sitting at home, doing their work, remote, not really traveling, not spending a lot. And when that comfort level starts to increase for those people, how much of an outflow of those trillions and trillions of dollars will, will suddenly hit the market? That's, that's the question that, that I still ask myself because the price increase has not matched the amount of printing that has occurred, where else could it go? Um, especially given the reduced demand externally from the country, from the country of the US, where other countries, I haven't seen any news that there's a higher demand to buy the dollar from other countries. If anything, countries are, are, make, are separating away and doing trade, even in oil, right? The petrodollar yeah. is becoming less of a petrodollar. They're trading directly using their own currencies or other currencies. Or yeah, other or gold stores or of Bitcoin value. or whatever it is. Or gold, Bitcoin, or whatnot. Exactly. So it's in, so the demand needs to be internal inside of the country to absorb all of that printing. And I can't help but think that it's simply being held because people are still fearful. They don't yeah. know. What, then you suddenly hear a war coming out. Oh, my God, there's a war on the other side of the world. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to hold on to my money. I'm not going to spend right now. I don't know if things are going to go crash, crash and burn. And I'll lose my job or blah, blah, blah. So, I think there's still that concern that's keeping the value of the dollar at bay. Um, mm -hmm. And it's ironically the good times 
that could lead to the bad times when people start feeling comfortable and actually start spending. Yeah, which as far as like uncertainty is concerned, um, I cannot imagine. Oh, that was not you. That was me. <laughs> it was a, actually a <laughs> notification, which I knew would pop up. So I scheduled it to happen a different time, but yet it still attacks me anyway, and I'm sad. But as I was saying, uh, I definitely, I mean, <clears throat> the last couple years, mostly in like 2020 was mostly a lot of the year had an apocalyptic feel to it. Um, at least, yeah. you know, March, April, March for me did for a little bit. I mean, it was on the fence, but then quickly just, you know, I personally March and April it. definitely did for me. Yeah. But then the rest of it for the rest of the world, for the rest of the country, specifically of the U.S., but also a lot of the world, all, all 2020 did feel like this was this was a great tribulation for mankind, which it did not end up being to that same degree. Um, and so as soon as I think the world is for the most part over it now doesn't mean the after effects. Oh, I don't think so. You don't, think, don't so? think so at all. No. I mean, I think there's, I think you're in a bubble. Yeah, Christ, like you're that, in New that Hampshire is true too. Places. That is definitely true. You're, both, well. you're in New Hampshire and you're talking to crypto people, mm -hmm. right? You go to conferences in places like Florida, Miami, that is a bubble. We, we are definitely mm -hmm. a, a bubble of, of demographic that feels like we're back to normal because we're hanging out with people that just want to make it back to normal. And they feel like, like, I feel you're right. I personally feel like my life is a bit more back to normal. I'm able to travel. Sure. I had to coming back, going to and coming back from Miami. And I went to Cancun recently. I had to wear a mask on the plane, which I hate. But, you know, now Not that anymore, right? huh? at least for now, for now lifted, although that was more like a lawsuit type of lift, you know, not uh, okay. CDC says, says everything's good. But in that whole process, there's still like what I think 30% of the people on a plane are still wearing a mask and they're still feeling a, a little bit uncomfortable. Um, uh, in events like in-person events, which are a great way to stimulate the economy where people spend their money. Yeah. Um, there was a very popular uh, meetup group for the technical crowd here in San Diego, the San Diego JavaScript community for developers. They used to bring in 100, 120 people, you know, every month to an event. And then people go to bars afterwards and chit, chit chat. To this day, they're still doing only in-person events. Mm -hmm. Still, only, And I'm sorry, to this day, they're still doing only virtual events. My bad. The only events that are in person have been crypto events because that's a, that's a bubble demographic of people that do believe more in freedom and openness and getting out there. So not all crypto people, but a vast majority of them. That's why this 30,000 people went to an in-person event in Miami for the Bitcoin conference. So it, it's, heard a, it it's quite a the very, super very spreader. demographic. <laughs> yeah. You know, we spread good vibes. Of course. Super spreader spread good vibes. freedom. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, David Bailey at the very end after the the concert after party it ended was on the one of the loudspeakers you fuck the government even though he had a bunch of mayors speaking at the conference I'm um, sure the mayors were either way, like I said, so, more than happy to entertain that because they don't care what you say as long as you bring yeah, in more okay. tax revenue yeah exactly just bring more people in so um, I, yeah, I finally don't think that it is globally over um, mm -hmm. for from the viewpoint of people having a concern and effectively locking up their funds, the money, the wealth that they have. Yeah. Um, and so I think there is a point when it will be, and we'll see how the dollar and other fiat currencies do at that point in time. I think that's going to be the, the trigger where, because we're still seeing other countries going through the countries that crazy lockdown, right? The countries that lock down the most are the ones that are now experiencing some of the biggest numbers. They have like no immunity within their community, within their community. Yeah. Funny how um, that works, but. So they still have, so they have a lot of, money that is also now being held 
and not being distributable. They're not, they're not traveling. They're not, you know, coming and spending money here in the U.S. and other parts of the world. So, um, yeah, the summary, same thing that I said. I think a lot of money is still being locked up, um, and we'll see maybe in next year. You know, mm-hmm. um, after you know, we're, we're broadly much more immune. Whether or not the uh, the money really unlocks, and we'll see how inflation is at that point in time. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is like this big worldwide crisis is definitely winding down again. Some places want more than before, but then that got hit at like, you know, it's like, was it the Godfather part three? You know, just, just when they think I'm out, they pull me back in. It's like, just when we think we're Mm -hmm. out of this, then, you know, the, the whole Russia, Ukraine situation happens and the sanctions that surround that cause all kinds of other issues just when supply chain issues were really starting to become apparent because we heard about supply chain issues many months ago and now we're, right. we're experiencing them in a re- more real way and it's just like that that the fud mm-hmm. right the uncertainty the fear uncertainty and doubt is still in people as you mentioned even though it might not be oh we're gonna all die from then whatever from the super sickness or whatever even though that's dissipating uh the overall fear is not yet the the you know the hold in so that's why it doesn't make sense that like oh everything's gonna i think people are gonna make it out of this this wave and then we're gonna start to see things happen in in a few years so like the next cycle is going to be that's what i um that's gonna be interesting that's what i've predicted as i've predicted again I, i hate saying that because it makes me sound like an expert an oracle a man of great wisdom none of which are true but my gut feeling is <laughs> the next, because you know market cycles are always going to be a thing. The next crypto cycle is going to be the mass adoption cycle, where like right now we're close enough to where you can spend it at enough places, enough big institutions and apps and payment processors, enough today. And you know the bear market's the build market, right? And so there's right. enough foundations yep. that will be built then, and enough catalyzing. Uh, events i personally believe will then happen to the where the next cycle is where everyone not everyone but you know enough you will have people living on crypto who aren't crazy lunatics like me i've always had this question i'd love to hear maybe the next time we chat because it's hard Mm -hmm. to think about this in the next few minutes before we finish up but uh what will be the next big crypto technology that people that brings people into crypto because every cycle has its major thing you know so i started in the 2013 cycle admittedly it was primarily just bitcoin but if you followed mm-hmm. more closely a lot of people got in through just random bitcoin forks that was kind of the yeah. era of bitcoin forks like litecoin was... um, and not, not forks it was the shit coin it was a total, yeah. a total shit coin boom but out of it came things like oh you know i mean litecoin dash right so there everything starts Arrow. off as a shit coin nothing not starts off as an amazing no. coin but then they start actually diverging and, and bringing in some value. So mm-hmm. um, it was a shit, it just like 2017 was the ICO, sh- another shit coin boom, but then out of it comes some really good projects. Mm-hmm. And then this year seems to be a combination of like DeFi and NFT, not this year, this cycle on the early mm-hmm. side DeFi and on the later side NFTs. What's kind of that next thing in the next cycle that we're gonna see that'll be the, the big craze that that appeals to a broader spectrum of people that hadn't um, appealed to this day. I don't know what that is. Let's let's hold that as a thought that maybe is our discussion topic for 
the next time yeah. we chat and see what insights people might have. Well, let me throw out a a preliminary idea on that thing, which is mm-hmm. um, I think it it's probably good because each thing is kind of like a expansion on the radical financial freedom thing. First, hey, we can have Bitcoin. And maybe that was 2011 or I don't know, whatever that cycle was. Um, mm-hmm. 2013 was anyone can make a coin kind of thing. You know, the shitcoin boom. Mm-hmm. Twenty, you know, 2017 was the ICO. Anyone can raise capital for a thing. Which, you know, the DAO boom in DeFi today is sort of like an extension of that. But then it was like DeFi, which is anyone could run financial things or get access to high quality financial services. Services, right. Yeah, in a decentralized way combined with NFTs where anyone can kind of... NFTs are like, I think it's going to be the return of NFTs probably, but not... I think, I think it would be a different use case for NFTs. Very different. Not just a JPEGs. use case. That's what I'm saying. It'll be a use yeah, case. Yeah, a use case NFTs. outside of just the, you know, a JPEG of a, a monkey. So yes, that's why it'll I, be. Admittedly, I think I think it is headed in that direction. You're right. Digital decentralized digital property is what I think. What NFTs and oh. metaverse stuff promises today, but doesn't do anything about. But then I think oh. when people start to have like a decentralized digital identity that has some manner of privacy to it, that they can own all like their property, like their titles to their land and things like that, and then their collectibles, and then their money, yeah. and all of that can be put up as like collateral with DeFi and stuff like that. I think once you have this fully functioning interesting. data and financial Ecosystem system and the full Legos, yeah. including NFTs as Legos. Yeah. Yeah. And people just jump shit. Interesting chat. Stuff. For Let's sure. Definitely chat Are about you taking that off? Time. I do got to bounce. I got I got a hard stop. Plus uh, someone else has got to use this room. Do you want to do, well. do a Thanks quick, so much for the do chat. You do a quick shill? Quick shill for your stuff? Quick shill. Um, uh, for those that haven't already listened to me chat with Joel before, edge.app, that's our company. That's our product. Buy, sell, and trade various cryptocurrencies, but you hold your own keys, you control your own funds, and we make it as easy as possible. You don't have to ever write down 24 words, just simply create an account, log in, but we don't see our transactions. It's very private. Yeah. Either way, thanks a lot for everyone for listening, right. and we'll catch you on the next show with Joel and myself. Fantastic. Bye-bye, guys. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and donate to support the show by going to my Cointree page. That's cointr.ee slash thedesertlinks and leave a message with your donation. Check out the show's sponsors. Live on crypto with BitRefill. Buy absolutely anything with crypto with Shop and Bit. Avoid content censorship with Odyssey. Protect your privacy online with NordVPN. Get paid to search with PreSearch. All links are in the show notes.